Welcome back to the CFB Winning Edge Podcast Edition. I am your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am joined, as always, by Xavier Trish and the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, how's it going, man? Uh, through two weeks of college football, how are you feeling? Feeling good, feeling good. I know that uh, a lot of people, I've, I've heard a little bit of grumbling about the slate this week. Uh, not really a mega matchup of top teams like we had a couple last week but uh this is the kind of week and in, in past years it seems where some crazy things happen i think there are some under the radar kind of sneaky good matchups i'm excited to talk about a few of them today xavier how are you feeling about uh two weeks of college football i mean i think at this point in college football we still know absolutely nothing so i think fans should just calm down we're gonna have weeks like this we were supposed to have some ranked games, but some teams didn't get it done. And we'll get to that in a second. So, Yeah, but college football is stupid. Football. Yeah, I, I hate it. Um, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Scott. Get it off, get it off your chest, man. Well, I get it. Look, the Longhorns at least didn't get their, their doors blown off of them, right? So that, that was nice to see because I'm also a Steelers fan. I know I have weird allegiances, but my dad's whole side of the family is from Pittsburgh. And then I grew up in Houston where half my family is Aggies and half are Longhorns. So... Uh, it's, it's a weird, uh, following that I have, but it is of course to the bone and the Steelers just looked terrible, but at least Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots. So, uh, you know, nothing bad happened to me this weekend. You're not, you might not be playing football again. Everything happens that's going on right now. Um, Uh, I, I, I think, I, I think that that is a money grab, but I don't know anything about it. So we'll, uh, we'll have to. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. So, and you know, I am by no means a Antonio Brown fan. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll see how all that pans out. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not in love with football, especially like I talked about this on the In This League pod with uh, with Nick on Saturday because you lose a game like that early in the season, and I feel like you know only four teams make the playoff. I, the Longhorns are out, like the, to me, and, and you know, nah, Nick tried nah. to calm me down a little bit with <laughs> beat Oklahoma twice, and That's maybe exactly you can, what I was gonna say. maybe you can sneak <laughs> back in. But I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if they gave up that many yards to Joe Burrow. I don't know if they're gonna look any better against Jalen Hurts. So hey, put it to you this way, Scott. Georgia lost to Boise State a bunch of years ago, first game of the season. I thought the season was over. We ended up being one play away from a national championship appearance. So let's not give give it some time. (laughs) Give it some time. College football is weird. College football is weird. It definitely is. But, uh, you know, it could always be worse. I could be a Tennessee fan. So, (laughs) yes, it's impeccable stuff. (laughs) Oh, Uh, my Lord. I can't believe they dropped that game. Like, Nick, I mean, you know, uh, you're the most impartial person here, I would say. (laughs) And. Like what? What can you say about Tennessee at this point when they drop that game? Both of their first two games at home against, uh, you know, spreads where they were favored in both of them. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's weird. I, I definitely don't expect it. I've mentioned multiple times that I respect a lot of the coaches on the Tennessee staff. I know they've recruited pretty well there over the the past few years, but obviously uh, recruiting and talent evaluation and uh, uh, 
uh, player development are, are definitely different things. And uh, the Vols have certainly been lacking in the uh, latter two in recent seasons. It's a, it's a surprise, and our numbers are getting less and less uh, bullish on Tennessee, but they're still <laughs> hanging around in the 40s. So uh, I kind of hope they turn it around because uh, otherwise uh, our numbers uh, could uh, uh, not perform very well when, when Tennessee's involved. We're 0-2, so, well, no, 1-1 one because one, we did actually project uh, Georgia State to cover. But last week was last week was rough. You can't, you can't let a guy get behind you like that on the last play of the game and set up a uh, field goal opportunity. It, it just, yeah, mind-boggling how that one ended. So you, you say rough, Xavier. What would be your describing word? It was Tennessee? beautiful. It was, <laughs> it was like Picasso painting. It was us. Ah, it was so lovely to see. <laughs> now this week is literally like every Tennessee fan this week is going into the week scared because it's Chattanooga. But like, come on. I mean, if they lose to Chattanooga. Chattanooga I mean, they, will be just flame. send them right down to FCS, right? I mean, oh, come I, on. Oh. We, we don't want them in the SEC anymore. They can go play in the AAC or something like that. I mean, you know, they'll find a conference <laughs> for them somewhere. But, uh, man, Knoxville will be in flames, and I will be there with a camera to document it all. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, no one driving around in, uh, you know, in any uh, cars projecting all those games. But, uh, I mean, there were some interesting ones this week. I think uh, we officially have to hit the panic button on West Virginia because oh. they got stomped by Missouri. <laughs> And mm-hmm. they just look real bad. Uh, Maryland crushed Definitely. Syracuse. I mean, uh, that was it wasn't a game from kickoff. I mean, how does something like that happen, Nick? I mean, I look, tr- I I respect Maryland, obviously, as a Longhorns mm-hmm. fan, and the Longhorns have dropped two in a row to the the Terrapins in the home openers the last two seasons before this one. Uh, but sixty three to twenty over a ranked Syracuse team. How do we how do we wrap our heads around that one? Uh, yeah, that that's a tough one because again, uh, I did not see that coming. Uh, part of the reason Maryland is is talented, and and our numbers do show that based on roster strength, it's it's a fringe top thirty team. Um, but we were very very low on Mike Loxley because of his just horrific record as a head coach at. New Mexico. Uh, so they came into the season ranked, I think it was 85th and 12th in the Big Ten, which was lower than probably they should have been. But, uh, you know, Loxley had a, a head coach rating in the seven, or excuse me, in the high 60s. It was it was 129th, I believe, uh, coming into the season. So uh, that brought him down quite a bit, but had to do something based on the last two weeks that I, I had yet to do since uh, beginning CFB winning edge had to to go in and manually override Loxley uh, Loxley's head coach rating bumped him up uh, to an 80 which is roughly average uh, which you know he probably even deserves maybe a little bit more than that I think it's it's uh, early still but seems he's proven he's a, a different coach than he was uh, with uh, the Lobos but uh, yeah they're they're up to the low 40s in our numbers which uh, is obviously still about 20 spots below where they are in the AP poll but uh yeah it definitely did not see uh you know they were it was one impressive. and a half point favorites you know <laughs> yeah. right exactly and and, and, and started 43 <laughs> yes 
Yeah, and, and at, at the beginning of the week, Syracuse was a, a slight favorite, and then Maryland uh, was, uh, you know, favored slightly. And, and our numbers, we were pretty heavy on Syracuse, had them favored by about uh, five or six early in the week. So obviously we didn't see it coming, but hopefully made some adjustments to the numbers and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, catch up now. I mean, we had other stuff happen this week too. Uh, Michigan as a 22-point favorite at home, uh, almost lost to Army, and uh, that had to go into two overtimes for them to end up beating Army because uh, I believe it was a missed field goal, if I'm remembering that game right. Uh, we had a mm-hmm. bunch of shutouts. Uh, Iowa shut out Rutgers. Kansas State shut out Bowling Green. NC State shut out West Carolina. Uh, Georgia Tech and South Florida with that. Didn't they have an enormous over, if I'm remembering, 59 points, so not enormous but yes. big. That game finished 14-10 to 10 in Georgia Tech's favor. Um, South Florida fumbled on the one-yard line. Uh, that, that Jordan Cronkite, did, did, did you see yeah. that play? So, I did. Yeah, because we were talking about that on Saturday. I couldn't. Uh, I didn't have the sound on because I was doing my updates at FNTSY, but I thought that was a score. It looked like it at first glance, uh, but he, he didn't have control and, and uh, or there wasn't enough to overturn uh, the call on the field, but yeah, that was, um, USF's just looked horrible. I mean, they're, they're one of the bottom 10, uh, teams in our team performance rating so far this year. They're in the mid sixties. I mean, it's, it's been bad. The offense has, has looked, uh, just very, very underwhelming. And, and I personally was pretty high on the hire of, uh, Kerwin Bell, the offensive coordinator there. I thought they were going to do some really good things and, uh, they've got a long way to go if they're going to, uh, you know, make it interesting in the AAC this year. They're they're off to a just horrible start. Yeah, uh, you want to talk about choke jobs? Nebraska, thirty four thirty one, go down to the Buffs in Colorado. But Xavier, I mean, the, Nebraska had this game all but locked up till the end. So, I mean, but isn't that Scott Frost normally? He has it all <laughs> locked up till the end. I mean, this is exactly what I what I alluded to was just they don't finish well and. It doesn't matter how well of a lead they get. It can always be squandered. Shouts out to Mel Tucker, though. Good job. Yeah. Um, we also had uh, look, uh, Alabama not cover the spread. What a bunch of losers, <laughs> right? The spread was 54, and they only won by 52. Jeez. Unbelievable. Uh, UCLA looks rough, guys. I oh, mean, they do. They, they look do. rough. They lost. Went from the, bad to worse. Yeah, they lost to San Diego State at home. And uh, it gets easier, though. At least they play Oklahoma this week. So, That's right. That's <laughs> it's going to be insane. You know who else looks worse than, than them? Florida State. Florida oh, man. State they had, had to go to game. Monroe in <laughs> overtime. Ah. <laughs> Talk about a man who's still on the hot seat. Taggart, you have not moved anywhere from the hot seat whatsoever. Don't take any kind of breather. Keep holding your breath, son. You um, got Virginia this week. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> on the road, too. Good luck in mm-hmm. that one. Uh, okay, this one just made me look bad. And there are a couple games that made me look bad this week, you know, besides the Longhorns and my 0-6 CFF teams. Uh, SMU 49, North Texas 27. Uh, I was uh, really surprised at the results of this game, Nick. Can you uh, – what, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, uh, there have been several – 
disappointing outcomes so far this year where I've, I've sort of harped on it, you know, internally looking at how the numbers shake out and, oh, we were so high on USF. And even though they covered last week, uh, we did project them to win. So, so miss that one. But SMU's kind of in a similar boat. They're relying really heavily on transfers like USF is. So our numbers, because they're based, you know, the, the very first thing we do is, is input, uh, players 247 sports rating. So uh, if a guy is like a four-star uh, and then transfers to a place like SMU, uh, at least so far we're considering changing it but haven't done any sort of transfer penalty quite yet. So SMU we've been pretty high on. They've been in the uh, 50s a lot of the preseason, creeping up into the 40s now. Uh, so we were actually, uh, the, the uh, computer projections actually had SMU covering which you know obviously uh, north texas uh is a dangerous team we've seen them you know they beat arkansas last year and uh, are always in the mix in the uh, it's conference usa but uh we were we were kind of there on on smu uh did uh, project them to cover i think we had them favored by eight but obviously they surpassed that so i'm a little bit nervous because i'm not sure that we can fully trust all those transfers all year but uh they're off to a good start and if things click i i've uh mentioned i think they could be sort of a dark horse uh or i guess a dark mustang uh in the uh aac now, that was an amazing dad joke. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, Xavier, I know the game that you were concentrating on, as was the rest of the nation, uh, Wyoming at Texas State. And uh, <laughs> I, I brought this game up because Wyoming beat the doors off of Missouri. Now they were at home, and it was elevation and all that stuff. But then they were only favored by seven points going on the road at Texas State. They covered... You know, 23-14, they won by nine. It just didn't feel right, though. I don't know if you caught any of that game and or care about it. Um, didn't catch much of it, so I won't <laughs> try to sugarcoat <laughs> any of it. But, um, no, I, I, we, I talked to you guys about it last week, about Wyoming, I think, playing above their ability against Missouri, and that was maybe too much of an overreaction uh, by you there, Scott, on them going in <laughs> blowing out Texas State. Uh, but, yeah. They still covered, so I guess, you know, to an extent, I can't go too far. What about uh, th- this game I find more interesting, Nick? Uh, Kansas loses to Coastal Carolina at home. and That uh, one was a, a shock to me, and, and I shouldn't really be shocked by anything that, that Kansas does and <laughs> really anything that uh, Les Miles does. So, so, you know, shame on me for uh, being pretty confident that the Jayhawks were going to go in there, and uh, I... I they had a huge talent advantage. I mean, when when does Kansas have a talent advantage? But uh, we have them ranked about 50 spots higher in, in roster strength based on our numbers and uh, definitely expected more. You know, came out with a, a pretty good uh, touchdown drive early, and then the offense just just stopped, completely stopped. Coastal Carolina was able to, uh, you know, eke out just enough to win 12-7 to 7 ugly uh, in Lawrence. So, yeah, I mean, if, if uh, that's what Kansas is going to look like the rest of the year, and, and honestly, they were pretty fortunate to escape in week one with a win over Indiana State. But uh, if, if that's how it's going to be, then uh, things don't look like they're uh, improving particularly quickly there uh, at KU. So, yeah, I, w- I was surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been. The late- Les Miles. Go ahead. Oh, 
I was gonna say, but Les Miles has to be on like the longest leash in college football. Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean, if they if he gets them to six wins, and I'm being very bullish by saying six wins, if he gets them to six wins, he's got to be one of the best coach in Kansas history, off rip. So uh, you know, six wins I, in the next five years. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking? About? Oh, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> well, I think he, he'll write the ship eventually. Maybe. <laughs> well, first oh. you have to build the ship. I think oh, is, is the thing. So, but uh, you tell me, you tell me where the wins are, Xavier. Uh, at Boston College, lost. Uh, home against West Virginia, toss up. At TCU, I haven't watched enough TCU to say anything That's yet. That's a lot. So I'll leave. Uh, I'll leave that Oklahoma at home. We know that one. Come on, at the next Texas. Two- yeah, uh-huh. uh, Texas Tech at home. <laughs> I'll give them a loss. Go, keep going. Kansas uh, State at Oklahoma State at Iowa State Baylor. There's no wins on that schedule. What WVU uh, is the only one, right? Maybe. I mean, I okay. Iowa State possibly. Iowa State has not looked good Iowa this season. State. Uh, <sighs> they they haven't State looked great. In, this but they came into the year ranked. Like there's talent yeah. on that squad. So yeah, but there's talent on Tennessee too. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> Kansas State, Kansas. It's a it's a rivalry game. You never know. So what does that give them? Four. Ah, still a little bit too less, too little. So yeah. I mean, hey, I tried. Kansas fans tried for you. I tried. Basketball yeah. season's right around the corner. Basketball <laughs> season's right around the corner. That's right. That's exactly what we need to say there. I, I don't think there was much surprise at in the late game as there was in the uh, late games as there was in the early games. Florida shut out Tennessee Martin. Kentucky over Eastern Michigan. Michigan State uh, beat up Western Michigan. Penn State at halftime was barely beating Buffalo, or they might have been down at halftime going in. Uh, but They, they were down, up, yeah. Yeah, they wound up winning 45-13, so not surprising. Uh, Auburn being held to 24 points against yeah. Tulane, I think, was the started big shot late, right? Yeah, they, they started slow, uh, ended up covering uh, the, the running game, picked up uh, as, as the game went on. I was probably more surprised and, and perhaps even impressed that uh, Tulane uh, – looked so bad on offense uh they were they were electric in week one and uh have an opportunity to do some really good things on that side of the football so pretty impressive by auburn defensively but yeah the offense seemed like it was kind of sleepwalking early took a little while to get in gear yeah i mean you can expect that to happen when you have a a freshman quarterback which he's gonna have to learn how to get up for games like that um as opposed to you're not gonna be playing a ranked oregon every week and so games like that will happen from time to time this year where he where the offense just doesn't come out to play. You you can expect that at times. Uh North Carolina beat Miami, so Mac Brown <laughs> 2 and 0. The May uh, Diaz project is in trouble. <laughs> it is too. It's still early, but I I was uh I was pleased that uh North Carolina uh won that game cuz we actually had the Tar Heels favored. Mm-hmm. Um and I think they were about a five and a half point underdog. Uh, according to the experts, so felt felt pretty good about that one. Kind of like I was talking with Loxley earlier, we're we're low on Manny Diaz just because he doesn't have head coaching experience coming into the year. Mm-hmm. So I uh, was a little bit nervous. We were too low on Miami, but so far um, it seems that that maybe we got that one somewhat correct. So uh, good good start on our end for Miami. Not such a great start for for Diaz personally. Yeah, if you were on Miami Twitter, you can't tell them to uh, hold up. So far, Nick, uh, Miami Twitter's <laughs> done. They are besides themselves by at this point. The uh, season's over. They want Diaz's head. It's it's not great. 
Now, the, the last couple surprising ones here, I mean, we didn't really know what to expect between Stanford and USC. I mean, because it's backup quarterback starting their first games in Slovis and Mills. And uh, you know, USC favored by three. They wound up winning by 25 over Stanford, 45-20 in that one. The big one, and I got to admit, I didn't stay up for it, was <laughs> the California upset over Washington. This game was... I think they had a lightning delay. Is that what it was, Nick? Um, early to start this one? Because this started late anyway, your time. I think mm -hmm. it was 10 o'clock your time. And it was yeah. 7 for me. So they, they didn't start until like 8.15 or 8.30 or something, right? That's right. And I'm I'm very disappointed in you. I stayed up and watched uh, Washington. Just they, they just never got going. Uh, and, and Cal is definitely kind of the, uh, you know, uh, what is it like a, a, a python that just sort of sucks the life out of you they they definitely have that in them and they seem to have washington's number a little bit so uh that mm -hmm. defense and that secondary just just was uh you know they suffocated uh washington uh the washington pass game and and yeah they just they never quite got back uh you know, up to speed. They looked great in week one, but the Huskies just uh, couldn't couldn't get anything going late night uh, there on the West Coast. Pack 12 yeah. after dark. Yeah, I mean, Washington lost to them last year. And so I think in our preview for this season, I think one of the things we said was, can Washington go unscathed? Well, we know the answer to be no. Um, they seem to have, you know, one or two of these kind of games every single season. And, you know, change a quarterback means nothing. So... And now they've got the mighty Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Oh, here we schedule, go. So. The 2-0 and Rainbow Warriors. That's, That's right. The Pac-12 title is on the line. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, Rose Bowl. Here they come. <laughs> With that, let's take a look at some of the games that are coming up this week. We each picked a couple, of course. But uh, starting us out here is going to be uh, Stanford at UCF. In this game, I'm a little bit surprised. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but UCF favored by uh, seven and a half. This is a long trip for Stanford having to go across country, and the over is 61 and a half. So, uh, Nick, dive in. Tell us uh, what we should expect from this game. Well, when we were first putting together our, our preseason projections, and we talked about this on our Pac-12 show and, and our uh, Group of Five show early in the uh, uh preseason. Um, I was a little surprised at first that our numbers actually had UCF favored in this game. Uh, we talked about how we were very, very high on Stanford, actually had the Cardinal favored in 11 regular season games during the preseason. Uh, but a lot of those were toss-ups and, and didn't really expect them to, to win them all. And obviously already they've lost one of those. But I uh, was a little surprised to see UCF favored in the preseason. But then, um, you know, as things have shaken out, not not shocked anymore. Uh, UCF has some quarterback questions. Brandon Wimbush was uh, banged up, apparently. I, I hadn't realized that uh, coming into the game. I thought maybe uh, Dylan Gabriel had just somehow impressed enough to, to uh, get the starting nod against FAU last week. But apparently Wimbush was banged up, so I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't heard 100% yet. Maybe you guys know if, if it's going to be Wimbush or Gabriel or 
uh, Daryl Mack is is uh, Mack also is, is eligible. Back. Yeah, he is. So. Yeah, he's he's uh, back in the mix. So could could go any direction there. A quarterback might see two guys. Don't know. So uh, we have that as far as our numbers go. Have uh, Wimbush and Gabriel split so that we we average that out to be that they'll have a, an eighty seven. Uh, rated quarterback there. So um, we do have KJ Costello as the uh, number one starter alone this week for Stanford, which um, he obviously was held out last week with a concussion. Um, he was questionable early in the week, but now uh, it seems that he's back and, and will start. So that gave Stanford a little bit of a, a boost. Um, they, of course, are uh, really, really hurting on the offensive line. Two starters are down, including Walker Little, who some have, uh, you know, Top talked 10. about his potential as a as a first round draft pick. So that's a huge loss. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to handicap this one. Um, Stanford is the more talented as far as its starters go, but the Cardinal are not particularly deep and they've they've got a lot of young players um you know the, the receiving core is new uh, a lot of young players on defense linebacker they've got some guys banged up there as well so uh ucf while they might not you know at the at the top end have that elite talent um they are an experienced team they've got you know they're four or five deep at running back they've got a ton of different receivers with great speed um so it's it's a pretty even matchup we actually have stanford uh as uh, only a slight underdog about three and a half points so uh expect it to to be a close one but yeah we still have have ucf favored now xavier you picked this game and mm-hmm. uh this is a very interesting one obviously but ucf with the the rotational quarterbacks here stanford uh has got to come out a little bit fired up of course i said that same stuff about tennessee last week and it didn't pay <laughs> off. But uh, what it, what is your opinion of this game? Because this seems like a difficult one to pick. Well, let's put it simply. I think first off, Davis Shaw is going to have them much ready, much more ready for this game than maybe last week. And I don't honestly don't think it. I think they're preparing for both quarterbacks to be able to play. Uh, they announced when Bush was uh, available to play. Of course, you got coaches speak in the interview, so they didn't guarantee him playing a bunch, but they said they would try to fit him in. You know, you could take from that what you will. But I think that they're more than prepared for both QBs. When you look at Brandon Wimbush, uh, like I said, in the preseason, uh, this isn't the first time that they've seen Wimbush. They saw him when he was at Notre Dame. Um, so they'll have film on him uh, more so than just the one game he's played for Central Florida. Um, as far as the freshman quarterback, of course, they're, they're more so preparing for him coming into this game. And I expect Stanford, after giving up 45 points to USC last week, to come in fired up and playing a lot better than what they did against uh, USC. I, not in the second half, per se, but just throughout the entire game. Um, the biggest reason why I have Stanford as a favorite in this game for me is the fact that KJ Costello is back. Uh, when you have a quarterback that has as much experience as he does, you know, missing a couple of offensive linemen, would be damaging if they didn't have him back. I would have UCF by a lot, honestly, if KJ Costello wasn't back from uh, the concussion protocol. Um, but with him back, I think that that's going to galvanize this team. This is the best way to get back on track um, after losing a game. And losing your ranking is to play a ranked opponent on the road. I think that this game uh, should be looked at 
I don't think seven-point favorites for Central Florida is uh, realistic. I think that Stanford, like I said, will come into this game and win the game. I just don't know what I'm going to get from Central Florida's quarterback position, and I think that David Shaw is going to have this team more than prepared uh, to go into Central Florida and come out with a victory. So. So, so, all right, the projections here, Nick, say that this game is a UCF 28-24 victory over Stanford. I would, I would ask you, at this point in the year, obviously uh, things are still kind of coming together. What is your confidence level in uh, that score? Um, I mean, uh, it, it at first glance might seem maybe a little bit low. I mean, we've seen UCF is, is very explosive on offense and, and sort of still have this memory of Stanford being a uh, ball control time of possession type team. So uh, that, you know, plays in a little bit perhaps, but uh, really, I mean, Stanford, as Xavier mentioned, gave up 45 points last week. And, and of course, with Costello in there last year, we saw that they really became a pass first team. So uh, if I were to, uh, you know, say, is, is this too high or too low? I'm probably going to err on the side of it at potentially being too low could see this as a game in the thirties. I think that uh, both defenses will have their hands full with, uh, you know, some talented playmakers on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a really fun game to watch. I- I'm excited for it. Um, and we'll see how much different this team is with Costello than it was with Mills. Cause Mills was a huge uh, prospect. I mean, he was bigger yeah. than, than highly rated guys. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that are, uh, now playing and in the NFL and stuff, so uh, kind but of. But Slovis was obviously more impressive. I mean, that was that was a really great showing. The pride for, of uh, Desert the Mountain. The pride of Desert Mountain. Let's right. go, <laughs> let's go, Slovis. Uh, <laughs> how about this one? I picked, and I'm really uh, curious to hear your takes on it because uh, the game I picked is Oklahoma State at Tulsa. Now the spread here is Oklahoma State by 14, and the over is 64. Uh, in this game but we've heard about how you know when you're traveling not as far uh the you know the line matters a little i I was just surprised to not see this one in the 20s because oklahoma state has looked really good in their first couple games here nick so uh you tell me am i wrong on thinking that this spread is too low obviously i was last week when i picked wyoming on the road although they still won that game i just figured that would be a double digit spread and they won by only nine points so uh maybe i'm getting ahead of myself but i just think that oklahoma state going on the road farther to oregon state and i would assume that oregon state ranks a little bit higher than tulsa i could be incorrect on that i haven't looked it up but uh i i feel like this spread is one that should be bigger so what what say you nick yeah, you're right. I mean, the the uh, Oregon State is 92nd in our most update uh, rankings, and Tulsa's 104. So, not a not a huge difference there. Oregon State's obviously more talented uh, player by player, but Tulsa's got some good players as well. Uh, Baylor transfer Zach Smith at quarterback. He's an 85 rated player. Uh, Shamari Brooks at, at running back is up to an 88. He had a big week last week after a very disappointing week one against Michigan state, but you know, everybody uh, has the potential to look bad against Michigan state. They've been clicking on all cylinders. So um, they've also got some, some decent frontline players on defense. We've got uh, in our players to watch section in our um, 
uh, final score predictions here where we kind of line up both teams and, and see who's got the edge at what positions. We've got three guys listed here uh, that are in the 90s as far as their ratings go. And if you look on the other side, uh, Oklahoma State only has one the cornerback AJ Green who's a 94. So the the Tulsa defense on paper as far as their uh talent and experience and production goes uh has some decent players, but uh one problem area the defensive line as a whole, I mean we've got Travis Gibson as a 91 rated player, but the defensive line as a whole uh ranks 107th in our team strength ratings and the offensive line that pretty much uh, was starting over this offseason, ranks 129th out of 130 teams. So uh, that's that's not great. You don't like to to be weak on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And Oklahoma State, while they're not dominant in either area, they rank 62nd in both, actually. Um, Obviously, they've got bigger players, more talented players, and and, um, should have an edge on the line of scrimmage. Then we know that the Pokes have some really – uh, incredible talent at the offensive skill positions. I mean, Tylen Wallace uh, is in the same breath with Rondell Moore and uh, and uh, Chenault. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as top wide receivers in the country, uh, you know, up there with the Jerry Judys of the world, that type thing. He's he's really really impressive. And then Chuba Hubbard is is. Uh, about as fast a running back as there is in college football, and and he runs with power as well. So really impressed with him. And then Spencer Sanders, I know people are really high on his potential, the redshirt freshman quarterback, think that he's going to be more dynamic, uh, both as a runner and a passer, than we saw last year uh, when Cornelius was under center. So uh, I I see where you're coming from and, and definitely understand why you would expect Oklahoma State to be uh, favored by more. I'm a little bit surprised that our numbers only have the Cowboys favored by 11.8 points at this point. So um, little surprise there. We we have uh, Tulsa uh, uh, projected to cover, uh, expect Oklahoma State to win 36-24, but uh, I'm not sure that I trust those numbers. I think uh, if Oklahoma State plays up to its potential, and last year, uh, they had a uh, they they definitely disappointed sometimes when they were favorites. So we we can't you know forget they're not always uh, playing up to their maximum ability. But uh, if they are uh, to to play up to the level they're capable of playing, they they should uh, blow out Tulsa. But uh, according to our numbers, we have them favored by uh, roughly 12, 36, 24 final score. And that's why we do this, right, Nick, uh, right, uh, Xavier? Because I look, I, I'm the person that looks at this and I go, "Give me all those Oklahoma <laughs> State lines." I'm taking that all day. But that is why that's the purpose of uh, taking a deeper dive and a deeper look at a game mm-hmm. like this. So, uh, what is your takeaway after what Nick said about this Oklahoma State and Tulsa game? Well, you know. I never thought I'd be going back and watching Tulsa film. So thank you, Scott. But um, <laughs> I went back and actually watched the Michigan State game for a team that has been clicking on all cylinders so far. Tulsa only gave up one offensive touchdown. Um, so the Tulsa defense, in my opinion, has shown up so far, as at least in that game, uh, this season. I think that is why we see it so low. I think that Vegas at least sees that um, Tulsa – defense is not as bad as probably we think on paper or as we see on paper um and they've played up to their abilities once again um if i'm not mistaken you guys can correct me tosa's at home right yes that is true okay. yes 
So also with home field advantage and Oklahoma State could overlook this ball club. Um, like Nick said, Oklahoma State has lost games as favorites. Um, and with having Texas next week on the 21st, um, they could be very well overlooking this Tulsa team. And I'm not saying Tulsa is going to pull out any upsets here, but I think the line actually makes sense. I don't think it's too low whatsoever. Um, the Tulsa defense has shown its ability to uh, slow down uh, big-time offenses. Well, air quote, big-time offenses with Michigan State, only giving up one offensive touchdown in that game. And with them also being at home against the Oklahoma State team that might be overlooking them, you know, we'll have to see on Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. So that's I, – I love the explanation because it makes a lot of sense. The, the defense is uh, much better than you'd expect, and even with the shorter travel and the fact that, you know, Oklahoma State has – uh, recently won what was seemingly a tough road matchup with Oregon State. Uh, Tulsa, you know, they're, they're still favored by two scores here, but we're picking right. Tulsa. So uh, I, I like it. Now, this is going to be the most fun game to watch of the week here, gentlemen. And it uh, it's because neither one of these teams plays defense at all. It's <laughs> Texas Tech at Arizona. This one is in Tucson. I should drive down and watch it, but I got too many podcasts to record, so there's just no time for me to do that. It is uh, a Texas Tech by two line with the over being 77 and a half points. I think that makes it top four or five for the year so far, Nick. So are we going to hit that line, and should Texas Tech be favored? Well, you, you should drive down, Scott, and, and see sort of what the Texas Tech – uh, deal at receiver is right because they've got all those guys and still don't know which one's actually going to get the bulk of the uh, targets this this year. So maybe you know that maybe maybe you should go right go see what the yeah see what see I don't want to be that is, close but... to to someone so <laughs> so uh, yeah the you know it, it's interesting and, and that comment kind of drives it why I I picked this game partly is is people are very uh, down on Kevin Sumlin. And I get it. He's, he's, uh, not, uh, you know, he, he, he hasn't performed. He hasn't gotten his team to perform, uh, really over the past several seasons, Ever. uh, going back to his time at Texas A&M. They were pretty good at Houston and in the first <laughs> year or two at Texas A&M, they were, they were pretty good. They beat Alabama that one time, but, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I understand, but, uh, uh this, this game really jumped out to me and, and you mentioned it. Texas Tech is favored by two on the road in Tucson. So, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, it's a completely different situation there. I mean, you know, Lubbock and, and Tucson, uh, unfortunately I haven't had the, the uh, uh, the ability to visit either quite yet, but you in my in my East Coast biased mind, they're not probably that different from one another. So so <laughs> you know shouldn't shouldn't be a huge uh, uh, you know travel. It's it's not going to Wyoming, right? They're not playing at seven thousand feet. But uh, Arizona has a talent advantage in this game, according to our numbers and, and roster strength. Arizona uh, has an 86.3 overall rating, which uh, is top 30. And Texas Tech is at 82.74, which is top 60. And, you know, there's not a, a huge difference between 30 and 60, but it is significant. I mean, keep in mind there are 65 FBS teams. So um, so you're, you're talking about somebody middle of the pack 
uh, excuse me, uh, uh, power five teams. So you're talking about somebody middle of the pack in the power five versus somebody at the tail end. And, and that is significant to me. And, and uh, Khalil Tate uh, has, uh, he disappointed last year, but he's off to a pretty good start this year. And, and he's a, a maximum 100 rated player, according to our numbers. JJ Taylor has uh, boosted his stock up to uh, almost a 94. Uh, Arizona has some good linebackers. They've got Chase Whitaker back, who's made some plays already in the secondary. I think he's got three interceptions so far. Um, I know that the defense as a whole is, is you know, uh, Wildcats fans are, are uh, you know, the thing they're most upset about so far seems to be the defense. And they gave up 40-something points to Northern Arizona last week. So um, there are obviously are some things to, to clean up there. But Arizona has an edge as far as our position ratings go at quarterback, running back, linebacker, and in the secondary. But, of course, that means... Texas Tech has an edge on the line of scrimmage, and then those receivers we were talking about, they're deep at that position. Alan Bowman, the quarterback, has, has done some really, really nice things. They've gotten some good production out of the running back position so far this year. So uh, Tech has has looked better, but they've also played uh, arguably lesser competition. They had an FCS opponent and then UTEP last week. So Arizona, they didn't look great against northern arizona but the offense was was clicking early and then you know a trip to hawaii you mentioned the uh the travel concerns earlier we have in in other places that's always a tricky uh place to go and then obviously hawaii's been pretty good so far this year so uh my long-winded answer there um Arizona, according to our numbers, is a nine-point favorite, and that is one of the two biggest uh, "quote-unquote" edges that that we see this week, or or, or the numbers see. And obviously, I've said it many times: football is not played in spreadsheets, and you know maybe uh, something real. There really is something to the Kevin Sumlin thing. You know, maybe maybe uh, he does downgrade that talent advantage. Uh, that much. Um, but according to our numbers, the Wildcats have the edge in talent, particularly at skill positions. If they can sort of uh, keep it close on the line of scrimmage and our numbers, they are pretty close uh, at both offensive and defensive lines. Um, Arizona should win this game. They got it at home. They've got the talent advantage. Uh, they've got the higher rated quarterback. So uh, I, I feel pretty good about the Wildcats uh winning this game not just covering but but coming out with a with a win of a touchdown or more it's mm. it's interesting i mean xavier i know that you um i think maybe despise is too big of a word but you are not a big fan of uh kevin Sumlin. so i'm interested to hear your take in this game i don't hate him nearly as much as you do scott but um i wouldn't put any money down on a text on a kevin Sumlin team ever um when we come into this game, what I look at most importantly is the fact that Texas Tech, I think, although their defense may not be as highly rated or as talented as, as you know, maybe Arizona's is, I think what they're carrying into this game is possibly more confidence. Like you alluded to, Arizona has given up 30-plus to both Hawaii and Northern Arizona. At the, at the moment, the defense is probably reeling to an extent. 
And it doesn't help that you're going to be playing a Texas Tech football team with this much talent at the skill positions. I mean, you know, we can just go down the list of receivers. TJ Basher, you know, uh, Dante Thompson, McLean Mannix. I mean, they have so much talent. And I like Texas Tech in this game. I think you're going to see a lot. Uh, you're going to see a lot of points put up by Texas Tech. I think Arizona is going to have to keep pace with them. Offensively, I think they can. However, I look to the team that's going to be able to make the most stops. And I think that Texas Tech will maybe pull out a couple where I can't see Arizona making enough stops for their team to win. I mean, how many turnovers did they get against Hawaii and they still lost that ball game? I think that um, going into this game, it's a confidence thing for me that I see Texas Tech having more confidence in Arizona at the moment um, with Arizona coming into this game, you know, still the, at least on the defense have been they have to have zero confidence at the moment. Um, you've gave you just gave up 41 points in northern Arizona. I don't know how much confidence you carry into this game. And although they're at home, I like Texas Tech because they're going to come into this game fired up, um, you know, I never look to a team like Texas Tech to overlook anybody because every game for them is a national championship game. So I like Texas Tech in this ballgame just simply based off of their performances to start off the season. Surprisingly for me, I'm I, I think I'm with Nick. I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take the Wildcats in this game. And, and it's not I, I'm not a Wildcats fan by any stretch of the imagination. But what I do like is the fact that they've been getting turnovers. You know, they got six turnovers against Hawaii and yes, they didn't capitalize on them, which is insanely frustrating because you have so much going against you walking into a game like Hawaii. Anyway, that's a long trip. Uh, your uh, internal clock is all screwy. Hawaii's offense is tough to contend with anyway, and you get six turnovers and you can't turn into a win is insanely frustrating, but I think that they are going to make a couple plays and all things being equal. Um, I'm going to take the team that is playing the ball a little bit better. So I'm, I'm going to take the Wildcats, but uh, all I know is this is going to be a fun game to watch and it should have a ton of points. I mean, Nick, you, you said it, uh, you know, uh, projected a 39 to 30 final score. That's uh, 69 nice points there. And the spread <laughs> is 77 and a half. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be a high-scoring game either way, even if it doesn't hit that overmarker. Now, a game that I thought, once again, this is a game, and this is why I ask about these games, because I see a line that I think is kind of low, and I go, well, why isn't everybody jumping all over that line? And Arizona State looked terrible. Uh, last week against Sacramento State. It took them until the Mm -hmm. second half to pull away in that game. Here's the one thing I'll say about that, though. It was 107 degrees at kickoff, and that is after the sun goes down in Arizona. So it was 107 degrees. There were giant fans going off everywhere, uh, you know, but they were playing an FCF's opponent. You know, they warmed down, and they won in the second half. But I look at Michigan State, which you guys have both talked about how Michigan State is clicking on all cylinders, especially recently. They're only favored by two touchdowns at home. So, Nick, what do we have in this game, and uh, should this spread be higher? Because I feel like all the money is going to run to Michigan State in this one. Well, uh, I don't think that the spread should be higher, and uh, I, I this is this is one instant I don't always agree with what the computer spits out, but this time I I think it's uh, pretty much right on where I would put it if I were just, you know, making a, a number myself. We have uh, Michigan State favored by uh, a little over four points, which uh, is is obviously 
you know, expect the Spartans to win. They, they probably should win this game. They've looked better uh, on both sides of the football so far through two weeks this season. Uh, but the, the, the gap between these two teams is pretty small. And Arizona State, remember, actually won this game last mm-hmm. year. And it was an ugly game. It was uh, at home. So uh, Michigan State was playing in that heat. I don't remember if it was 112 or whatever last year. But but it was still early enough in the year where uh, there's quite a difference there between East Lansing and Tempe. So um, Arizona State was able to uh, find a way to win this game. It was low scoring. It was, it was tightly contested. And I expect a similar uh outcome this week um i think that that michigan state probably uh has the edge should win this game brian lewerke it seems is is coming along uh maybe back to his uh 2017 uh self you know he looks healthy they seem to have found a running back elijah collins exploded last week uh for michigan state and, and he's now the the starter um their defense is you know, uh, rushing defense, they're number one in the country. They're, they're still uh, averaging negative rushing yards allowed per game, thanks to their negative 78 they allowed uh, <laughs> against Tulsa. So uh, that that is impressive. But, uh, and you, you mentioned that Arizona State looked uh, pretty ugly against uh, Sac State last week, but that was on offense. Defensively, they've looked good. Arizona State's only allowed seven points in each of its first two games, and and their ranks, uh, they rank in the top fifteen in the country, like Michigan State, in both yards allowed per play and total defense. Uh, so the Arizona State defense has has been good. So I would expect that they're able to uh, keep Michigan State in check, even though they have looked good offensively this year. This is still the same Michigan State team that you know scored single digits multiple times at the end of last year, and they did this whole coaching carousel, switch everybody's position sort of thing to try to shake things up. This this, this isn't a brand new Michigan State offense. They've looked good. They've looked better. But I think Arizona State's still going to be um, able to hang with them defensively, should be able to keep it close. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of Jaden Daniels as the true freshman quarterback. I think he has an opportunity to to really develop into a great player. You know, Benjamin is one of the few hundred rated running backs in the country. I've liked Brendan Ayuk, their uh, wide receiver. He's looked explosive. Frank Darvey has looked explosive. So uh, Arizona State has an opportunity to to break off a big play at any moment. Now, can they string a few of those together against this Michigan State defense? That might be asking a lot. But uh, I don't expect that. Arizona State is is going to let this game get away from them. I think it'll be uh, pretty low scoring. We have the final score projected at 21-17. Uh, my main concern is Arizona State has has had a lot of turnover already on the offensive line. They're without a projected starter uh, who is pretty highly rated player, ninety plus guy who uh, just hasn't hasn't been with the team for a, a personal reason. Um, and then they lost their starting center. Uh, right before uh, kickoff against Kent State, or, or you know, a couple of days before. So they're playing with with two guys already that they didn't expect in the starting lineup, including a true freshman center. So that concerns me a little bit, given uh, Michigan State is very, very impressive uh, in the front seven. Uh, but regardless, I think uh, the style that Herm Edwards wants to play and the style Mark D'Antonio 
typically plays. I see this as a low-scoring game. I think Michigan State should win, uh, but our final score predict, uh, predictions 21-17. Xavier, the, the money on this game, uh, I want you to – so it's 14 points now. It opened up a 10 and a half. Uh, right. in Michigan State's favor. And 96% of the spread money is on Michigan State. So that, I mean, that's just, it, it's a huge tell. And I know a lot of games are like that, but, you know, that's the same amount as Louisville over Western Kentucky by 10. So, <laughs> uh, and this is a team that beat Michigan State last year. And I got to be honest, I if I'm putting down my money, I'm putting my money on Arizona State straight up because I think that they can win this game because both these defenses are hard nosed, but I think ASU has a better chance to make those explosive plays like Nick was just mentioning. So what do you think about this Michigan state, Arizona state game? Well, at first glance, I I thought that Arizona state should definitely be the person that you put your money on Uh, for, for similar reasons. Um, I'm, I'm never sure on what Michigan state team will come out and play um, whether Michigan State will put up 50 points like they did last week or 28 points like they did against Tulsa or, you know, or not even, you know, 20 points total like they have at times before. My my issue with Michigan State is that it fluctuates too much for me, uh, but it's never something where you think Michigan State's offense is really going to explode. Uh, so I, I get that on first glance. That's exactly what I thought. However, after uh, hearing Nick talk about all the injuries Arizona State has on its defensive front, I think that. Michigan State should be the O-line. person that you put your money. Oh, I'm sorry, O line. Well, but uh, T- Tyler Johnson, the their highest rated defensive lineman, is questionable as well, and, and didn't play last week, so they're banged up all over. You're right, both right. both sides of the line. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say Michigan State, I think, is the person that you put your money on. Um, I think that their defensive front showed was was amazing in the Tulsa game. I mean, the defense ale- alone was just amazing in the Tulsa game. Uh, and they carried that into the Western Michigan game last week. And I think they're going to carry it into Arizona State this week. And uh, normally, with a game like this, I'd be scared to put money on Michigan State because maybe they'd be overlooking Michigan, uh, overlooking Arizona State with uh, Northwestern coming, with having to go on the road to Northwestern in the uh, week, uh, in the future weeks. Um, and maybe they might overlook Arizona State and this could be a trap game or something of that rather. But with Arizona State beating them last week, last year, excuse me, I think Michigan State will be prepared um, and maybe over-prepared for this game and, and raring to go. Uh, so I think putting your money on Michigan State is the right move. I think D'Antonio is going to have these guys ready to go. They're not going to come in here sleepwalking like they did last season and get punched in the mouth. I, they're they're going to be ready to play, and, and I think they'll do more than cover. So, All right, so th- we got two games left, and this one I love because Iowa State's had a bye week. And they're hosting Iowa. Iowa has looked incredible so far this mm-hmm. year. They've looked really good. Uh, my Makai Sargent pickup didn't work so much last week in CFF, uh, but uh, they still look really, really good. And that defense specifically looks great. Now, the spread in this one is Iowa favored by 2.5 on the road and a 44.5-point 40, uh, uh, over under, Nick. So let us know what, what we should be doing in this uh, Iowa at Iowa State game, well, it's interesting because you've you the last two games our numbers uh, did not agree with you know the Vegas odds makers. Uh, we saw big differences in in the Arizona game and then the Arizona State game uh, saw that much tighter than uh, the experts 
think. This this game was interesting because when it opened, Iowa State was a one-point favorite, and uh, I always release our early projected point spreads. Try to release them as, as early as possible. This is partly why I stayed up and watched Cal Washington. I was able to to hit uh, uh, hit send, as, as Herm <laughs> Edwards might say, uh, at about 4.30 a.m. Eastern time on those uh, early projections for our patrons. So uh, we had this actually as Iowa favored by two and a half. And when I saw the opening line, I was like, well, you know, that's that's kind of in the ballpark. So Iowa State slightly favored. But then over the the next few hours and the in the couple of days to follow, uh, it's moved almost exactly in line with how we've seen it or, or how our numbers interpreted it. So uh felt pretty good about that. Um, but uh as I was sort of diving into the the matchups and and sort of the the players i find myself leaning personally a little more toward iowa state and i know they looked bad against uh uh, northern iowa Mm. um they they have a history of 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 playing fcs teams too close i mean everybody it, it seems really loves matt campbell a lot of the time but but his team Oh, you know, played it way too close against Drake at the end of last year. And then they were inches away from losing uh, on a on a fumble in overtime um, last uh, or two weeks ago against Northern Iowa. But uh, this team does seem to rise to the occasion uh, when they are playing in big games. I mean, we've seen them knock off Oklahoma. We've seen them beat uh, some other highly ranked teams as well. So, um I, I find myself uh, really starting to think, you know, they, they have an extra week to prepare. They were able to correct a lot of the things that went wrong against Northern Iowa. The coaching staff probably in some ways kind of maybe uh, was happy that that game was closer than expected. So then they were able to kind of uh, use that extra week to, you know, kind of help you know, get the players in a, in a, a different frame of mind and, you know, Hey, you can't coast against a team like Northern Iowa. You think you're going to beat Iowa, you know, a top 20 team who looked great. And Nate Stanley last week uh, looked exceptional. I mean, I, I've heard uh, some, some draft buzz over the last week that, um, you know, was missing last year when he, when he didn't look particularly good. So I was going to be a tough test. I think AJ Epinesa is probably, uh, the if not number one, if Chase Young at Ohio State's the top pass rusher uh, for the 2020 NFL draft, I think Epinesa is uh, an easy number two. But uh, you know, Iowa does have. That. They're both real good. <laughs> they're both good. Mm-hmm. They're both good. <laughs> uh, but Iowa State has has some really good things. Defense is is uh, got some really talented, productive players. They're unique. Uh, saw a little bit of Kirk Ferentz's. Uh, press conference on Big Ten Network yesterday, and, and he was talking about how different Iowa State is defensively compared to just about everybody else they play. He talked about the last time uh, they played anybody else that sort of has a similar scheme was uh, four or five years ago. So um, the fact that Iowa has one week to prepare for, for a unique defense, but Iowa State's had two weeks to prepare for what really is is, you know, and nothing that 
difference, just just they're uh, very fundamentally sound, have been for the most part uh, Iowa in, in years past. So that that gives me a little something to think about. I, I do put stock in a team that has extra days to prepare. So um, I see this this being a close game. Um, I see it coming down to, to the very end, you know, a kick, maybe a, a fumble at the goal line like it did for Iowa State uh, two weeks ago. But um, see it as a close game. Our numbers project Iowa to, to escape with a 24-21 victory, but but this is definitely uh, a game that I'm going to be watching closely. It's it's uh, about as good a rivalry as there is and, and uh, expect it to be a very hard-fought, uh, close game. I, I, I love I love this game, and uh, it's going to be... I feel like it has to be a close one, Xavier, yeah. although I do think that Iowa is more talented, but all the points that Nick's just brought up, you know, uh, they may have been overlooking Northern Iowa. They got an extra week to prepare for this game. They're at mm-hmm. home. So uh, what do you think about, about this game, and, and how do you see it playing out? Well, I, I, all those points, I think, are, are valid. Um, and most importantly, I think because it's a rivalry game, I think that makes it closer um, than most games, to be honest. But I, I'd like to just add that. I don't think necessarily Iowa's only had one week to prepare for Iowa State. Um, no disrespect to Rutgers whatsoever, uh, but let's 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 not. But believe- disrespect to Rutgers. But disrespect to yes, <laughs> yes. But, but, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I think that Iowa may have already been looking to this Iowa State game as, as a big game. Remember, Iowa State came into the year ranked, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's and, right. And so, I think that they've probably had this marked on their calendars for a while now. Uh, I think Iowa being the more talented team is, is going to be something that I look forward to uh, as far as this game is concerned. Because it's a rivalry game, you have to start kind of being nitpicky on both sides of the ball. You can't. You have to pick which position is better than which position. But I think Iowa's going to be more than prepared. Um, they've been, they, like I said, two weeks to prepare, in my opinion. Iowa State, I, I'm still... The, the, the buck's still out for them. You know, they, they looked awful against Northern, uh, Northern Iowa. And going, you know... I think they're lucky to have this game at home. Um, I know that they're not very far apart from one another, but I think them going on to the on the road to Iowa would make me more bullish on Iowa if that were if that makes sense. So um, I think Iowa's more talented. I see them pulling this game out um, and winning this game by at least a touchdown. Uh, I think that uh, two and a half points is a little bit I think a little bit too much in the favor of Iowa State. Um, I think Iowa's talent is just going to at the end of the day, you know give them the advantage and, and ultimately give them the win in this game. Uh, and what has been a really good rivalry uh, over the last five to 10 years, to be honest. So, yeah. Fun game to watch. Fun game to watch. That's now, good. the one that I, I feel like is the most interesting of the week, and I'm glad it's on here, is Clemson yes. at Syracuse. And I know, Xavier, you picked this game. And the spread is enormous, right? The And – not without merits. It's 27 and a half points in Clemson's favor, the over 62 and a half. Clemson looks good. We just saw Syracuse get smashed by Maryland. So it seems like that is right. But this was the game in Clemson last year that was very, very close. And I can't remember if that was if that was Trevor Lawrence's first start or if it was the first game he finished if he came in. For Kelly, Kelly Bryant, Bryant. Got it was his, it was his first start, and Lawrence mm-hmm. got hurt, and uh, Chase um, Bryce had to come in. There we go. Bryce came in. Yes. You're, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, 
Now I remember it. You're absolutely right. So that was that was a close game, but Bryce came in real late when the game was pretty much decided at that point. Mm-mm. So well, he came he came in and won it, were, but it was like I was he, like they were losing when he came but in. But it was three there was like 3 minutes left when he came in, right? It wasn't like uh, Bryce didn't play the whole second half or anything, correct? I'm not sure. Sh- I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can look. It, if it I'm not was mistaken, he came it in. was uh I think he played significant minutes. Did he really? If I, okay. if I, but it's 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 been a while since I went back and looked at the box score and, right. and probably should have. <laughs> Too much today, football. But... Either way. <laughs> either but, way, th- this game Clemson almost choked last year. Just to right. kind of boil it down. To Syracuse. And Syracuse gets up gets up for games and we were just talking about how uh you know you know, Xavier said, you know, with all due respect to Rutgers, let's disrespect Rutgers and say that Iowa was prepping for Iowa State. I feel like maybe Syracuse looked past Maryland to Clemson. Uh, and that is why they got their asses kicked last week. So I ask you, Nick, 27 and a half points. It's it's a big spread. It seems warranted. What what do we think about this game now that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is healthy and uh, I mean, Clemson seems to have the clear talent advantage. Absolutely. I mean, Clemson Clemson has an edge at every single position. Uh, if we're looking at our numbers. The only the only areas where Clemson isn't a top eight team in roster strength is at linebacker, where we're uh, probably a little low in our ratings at the uh, Tigers linebacking core because we only have Isaiah Simmons as a 95, and most people would say he's uh, a, an All-American candidate, so probably should be a, a 100. He'll get there eventually. Um, and that the defense as a whole, because of that, only ranks 17th. But, um, you know, the way they've played so far, I uh, feel pretty good about the Clemson defense, and, and it's it's obviously been better than Syracuse, which gave up 63 points to Maryland last week, as, as you mentioned. So um, I, I definitely see this as, as a fairly easy Clemson win. However, I think that the spread has gotten a little out of hand. Um, I was uh, doing some writing earlier today. Wednesday's a, a pretty heavy writing day for me. So I uh, was, was looking back at the last couple of years. And, and remember, it wasn't that long ago. And actually, the last time they played in Syracuse, the Orange won. Mm-hmm. And that day, that Syracuse team, which ended up winning only four games all year and didn't win another game after it beat, beat Clemson, uh, was only a 23 point underdog. So, uh, that was, you know, pretty early still in the Dino Babers. Was that the game where like the air conditioner broke in the stadium there? And like, it was just sweltering. If I'm not mistaken, that was the game that Kelly Bryant was hurt in that game. And, uh, Syracuse was able to pull it out late. So yeah. In the last two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, Syracuse has injured the starting quarterback for Clemson. Uh, so yeah. And I, I don't remember the AC, but that would be funny since it's the Carrier Dome, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, even though they're not calling it the Carrier Dome, and look, right I don't want to complain about air conditioning in <laughs> places after this weekend, so you know, can't do it. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so so it was it was interesting to me that two years ago, when it was still very early in the Dino Babers era, uh, not. 
you know, expectations weren't high. Syracuse was off to a decent start, but they were only a 23-point underdog. And then this week, it's gotten all the way up to 27. That that seems high to me. And I know Syracuse looked bad, and I know their defense looked bad. But remember, this still is a defensive line that has two players, two defensive ends that are 100-rated in our rankings, all ACC-type players and, and uh, potential All-Americans. You know, you can have a bad game. You can you can, as Scott, you know, you can you can fall on your face against Maryland. It happens yeah. from time to time, yep. <laughs> especially in September. So, so you know, Syracuse. This was the team that pretty much, you know, all of of uh, college football thought was the second best team in the ACC and the the biggest challenger to Clemson during the preseason. So, has it changed that much? I mean, if if Syracuse had beaten uh, Maryland last week, you know, if if they had beaten them uh, twenty eight to twenty one or something, you know, something like that, what where would we see the spread? Maybe two touchdowns, fourteen points. So twenty seven seems uh, too much. Seems too high to me. And and our numbers agree. We have Clemson as a heavy favorite but is only a 19-point favorite. And, uh, you know, I, I know that there have been some growing pains offensively uh, for Syracuse, but Tommy DeVito did, it seemed, take a, a maybe a small step forward last week, looked better in the passing game than he did against Liberty in week one. Uh, I think that the receiving core uh, will continue to improve. Um, and, and the running game, they've got a couple of, of pretty good uh, running backs as well. I think the offense is going to continue to improve over the course of the year. Can they improve enough to keep it close with Clemson, who is just incredibly explosive and and has talent at every single position? Eh, Maybe not, but I do think they'll be able to keep it within three touchdowns. Uh, We project this final score, Clemson 40, Syracuse 21. What do you what do you think, Xavier? This is a game that you picked. Uh, it's a, a very interesting one. Gigantic line. Yeah, I think the line is ridiculous. Um, I don't. We talked about in the preseason how much we expected the Syracuse defense to be better this year, um, and to probably be one of the best, if not the best, defense that Dino Babers has had at his time at uh, Syracuse. And with that being the case, I think that the line is a complete overreaction to what happened. Now, if anybody watched the Maryland-Syracuse game last week, Syracuse just wasn't there at times. Um, I think they over, I think they didn't prepare at all whatsoever for Maryland. Um, Maryland's a trap game, and they forgot that. Um, there were at times Syracuse wasn't even in the right defense, and they were in pass defense when it should have when it was a run and an obvious run. I mean, Syracuse just wasn't you know, just wasn't there last week. And I think that they're more than prepared for Clemson, uh, maybe over-prepared, which is why they lost last week. But um, I think that this is an overreaction. Syracuse at home has played, as a matter of fact, in the last two years, has played Clemson really well. And I think that they, I'm not saying they have Clemson's numbers per se, because Clemson still won last year. Uh, but Syracuse is going to come to play. And, and going up to Syracuse is never easy. Um, Trevor Lawrence was, was Trevor Lawrence there last time that they went back, went up to Syracuse? Nope, it was uh, so this will be his first it. time in the dome. So, you know, with that kind of atmosphere, Syracuse, I think, has an opportunity not to not to upset, but to definitely, you know, cover this line and hold this line way be below the uh, the twenty the twenty plus it, that they have it at at the current moment. Um, on the Clemson side, I mean, what 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 could you say? Clemson didn't look great against A and M last week. Um, Trevor Lawrence to this this year so far hasn't looked great yet for me. 
Um, I'm almost waiting for him to explode like he did last year, but I think maybe it's a sophomore slump type of deal um, where he has had uh, some woes, as much as woes as you can have uh, being the starting quarterback for Clemson. But um, this game (laughs) and this line, I think, is a little bit too ridiculous, and I see Syracuse playing a lot better than they did last week. Yeah, I mean, I think Syracuse definitely was looking ahead, right? And uh, that... um, I think that that's a huge factor in this line. And I think it's just not the game isn't going to be a, a four touchdown game. I mean, I, I look, it could be, but I would be very surprised to see it be a four touchdown game. I just can't see Syracuse folding uh, like that. And, and I think the, you know, the line is kind of with us. It's 27% of people are taking Syracuse in this game. Uh, with the points. So I, I think that this is a game that I would not be betting on against the spread at all, and it's not even worth betting on the money line because Clemson's almost definitely going to win. And by the way, you, yeah. you guys were absolutely right. I mean, it was 15 pass attempts to 13 for uh, Lawrence over Bryce in the game last year. Mm-hmm. So I must, I think I'm forget. I must be mixing up, uh, you know, Lawrence replacing Kelly, uh, Kelly Bryant at some point. Uh, last mm-hmm. season instead of Chase Bryce coming in. But um, I think it's going to be a close game. It should be a fun one. Uh, but I, I would be taking Syracuse with the points, even though they just lost by 40 to Maryland. I think it's just right. different playing at home uh, and different. You know, I mean, many, many teams are teams that play up to their competition. But uh, right. that is all the games we're going to cover this week. Nick, tell everybody about the CFB Winning Edge Patreon. Yeah, if uh, you're interested in seeing how these teams match up side by side, um, all of our patrons starting at at Tier 1 have access to our final score predictions, which include uh, our position and unit breakdowns and players to watch for both teams. Uh, A lot of our ratings, head coach rating, team performance rating, so you can see how the team has played uh, this year to date roster strength, their average recruiting ratings, all that sort of stuff is, is sort of boiled down in, in charts that we've got uh, with our final score predictions. Uh, those are available to all of our patrons. And then, of course, our FBS team profiles, uh, our Tier 2 patrons have access to those. They include uh, depth charts that are updated daily, injury reports, all of that. We try to stay on top of that as best we can. So if you're interested to see how a particular injury could impact the team as a whole, uh, we try to stay up on that for you and, and offer that uh, to our patrons. So if you'd be interested in supporting uh, this podcast and supporting the three of us uh, and help us uh, keep this going and keep it strong for you guys, uh, hope you will check it out. Um, and uh, if you have any questions at any point, reach out to me uh, on Twitter or, or through uh, the Patreon messaging app um and i'll be happy to to answer any questions that you've got and hopefully explain anything that might be unclear at any point that we've been talking about and that is at cfb winning edge on the twitter at xavier underscore trish t-r-i-t-r-i-c-h-e and at bogman sports and uh we will see you guys next week good luck with all your bets take it easy everybody